0: Welcome to today's episode of Let Me Be Brief. I'm your co-host Andy Rieger of J. Rieger and Co. Joined as always by my best bud Matt Basinger. Aww. Hi, Andy. I'm Small Spark, of course. Co. We don't have axes on the table. We only have whiskey, so this is a safe space. Today's episode is brought to you by the wonderful Emprise Bank with Miss Lovely Jackie Wise sitting with us in the room. And as always, we are in the Let It Fly Media Studios here in Kansas City. Today's guest is someone that we all know, very near and dear to our hearts, Emerson Hodes. Emerson is the founder of The Loop KC. Emerson, Mm -hmm. welcome to the show.
1: Hey, thanks, guys. It feels weird to be on this side of the table. I'm used to being on that side. You know
0: anything about podcasts, Emerson? I know a thing or two. Yeah.
1: We might find out about that. Yeah. There we go.
2: Let us begin. All right. (laughs) Hey, softball question to get started. Yeah. What is The Loop KC?
1: The Loop KC. Uh, We are a young professional networking group here in Kansas City. Uh, we have 120 active members. Really, what we're focused on is building friendships. They're the foundation for future business. So right now, uh, we just like to have a ton of fun with it. Uh, we do a lot of social events. We do some uh, speaking events with panels of speakers or entrepreneur um, entrepreneur highlights, such as both of you guys, actually. Um, Appreciate and, that. And uh, yeah, we just like at uh, you know we have a really diverse group of people, all different backgrounds, um, ages as well. We're born in the 90s. It's kind of our uh, um, our age demographic. Um, But yeah, we're just we're trying to get uh, all the most passionate, you know, young professionals together that really care about, um, you know, their careers and developing as a person uh, and a professional all together.
0: So So what is the goal?
1: The goal is really, you know, when I started, it was just to make new friends, right? Scott Havens has been a huge mentor of mine, and he taught me everything uh, about ne- like the value of networking. So so, so
0: to pause there, yeah. just so the listeners know, Scott Havens is a mm-hmm. gentleman in his mid-30s in Kansas City, yep. done something similar, has probably 800 <laughs> young professionals, relatively speaking, yeah. in different groups, and has done an incredible job and he's actually the reason why this podcast was even put together yep. to
1: begin with so yeah Emerson scott, is
0: sort of like the mini next generation <laughs> scott havens yeah. of
1: kansas city i mean that's uh to be just to be even uh compared to him is awesome i mean he's one of the most humble dudes he'll never uh never take credit for it but he's been a huge influence in my life a big mentor of mine i talk to him every week Um, but he's really kind of helped us get off the ground and and teaching us how Top Gun got started, but also just preaching the value of networking um, and what it can do for your career as a young professional. Um, I I first met him at 24 um, and had no idea really what networking was. I had just moved back from Nashville, been gone from Kansas City for seven years. I was thrust into a sales manager role, um, and I didn't really know how to go about business development. I didn't know about the Kansas City business community, and Scott really told me that networking uh, in such a small, tight-knit city uh, like Kansas City uh, is the best way to go about that. Just making genuine connections with people, getting to know them as a person um, before you ask for their business or, you know, it's just building that trust. So, yeah.
2: Networking, I feel like for half of the working population is almost like a dirty word. Mm-hmm. And then there's another half of folks who have really, really embraced it because yeah. they maybe have found some value in it. Uh, but I, I also think it oftentimes is a word that's not necessarily properly mm-hmm. uh, defined. So when you talk about, like, what networking is, uh, can you maybe provide some clarity about yeah. what that looks like on the day-to-day? Uh, to me,
1: it's uh, just, like, developing a genuine connection with another human, first and foremost. Um, engaging in conversation that's meaningful. Um, and about the person, first and foremost. Like, that that's what, to me, networking is. It's, like, I... I, I like when I met with both of you guys, I admired both of you guys in terms of your entrepreneurial journey and the impact and success that you guys have had early in your careers. Um, and I strive to you know, have that same type of impact. But when I met with you guys, it was really just like, hey, tell me your story. Like, I just wanna learn from that, you know? I, and, and kind of putting yourself second and not not having an agenda going into a conversation, right? It's, uh, you never know where a conversation is gonna go, but if you have, if you're trying to steer it one way, you kind of ruin the whole magic that happens with networking. Um, so to me, it's just, again, just developing genuine connections with people. That definitely, I mean, I mean I'm going to sit
0: here and hundred percent agree with you. It's mm-hmm. how I've done everything yeah. that I've gotten to. And one of the things that I always try to take out of networking, which this is a little bit different model of a podcast that we've done yet, but it's a really great topic just to really harp on mm-hmm. is I always try to take one thing away from every conversation you sometimes don't even know what that one thing is that you're looking for. Yeah. Some networking events, it's you're looking for a certain piece of information, and you know what you're looking for, and yep. you want to learn more about it. And other ones, it's like, you're just an interesting person. Like, mm-hmm. I just want to know who you are, and I'm going to think of a question that's going to help me out in my journey long term. Yeah. Um, so, so one of the things I want to ask you, Emerson, sort of as a uh, young professionals, leader of Kansas City, you know a lot of people intimately. Um, you know, we're, you're talking about the everyone's sort of in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of like the generation now that's not just right out of college, but right. you know, a few years in. What is the view on the world as we are? I mean, when Matt and I came out of school, we were dealing with the financial recession, mm-hmm. and that was everything and defined who we are. And here you guys are. You're defined by a pandemic. Yep. You're defined by labor shortages. You're defined by two open jobs for every uh, one person willing to work, the people just leaving jobs left and right in this younger generation, not willing to stick it out. Right. Um, What is sort of your viewpoint on the way that you guys see the world changing
1: and and moving forward? Honestly, like, I feel like we were dealt a a weird card, you know? Um, Like, the whole dream that our parents were raised on of – you know white picket fence, stay with the company for forever. You know, do a job that uh, you know gives you stability more than anything. That's not really how our generation views it. Um, you know, we're we're kind of delayed in life. You know, my parents got married at 24. They had five kids before they were 30 years old. I'm sitting here, 28 and single. Not a responsibility in the world other than myself, um, and, and so it's Enjoy just it. very. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I mean, it's just very different uh, perspectives on life. Like I, I feel like I'm still in student loan debt, so it's really hard for me to go even like look, think about buying a house at this point, point. Um, and so my life is just delayed. So did you, did you go to Vanderbilt? I did go to Vanderbilt. Yeah, so that might might have a <laughs> uh, might be hard to pay off. But uh, anyways, I mean, it's just. I feel like we are still trying to find ourselves um, and define ourselves as well as a generation. It's one that I feel like there's a lot of lost people out there, um, but I, I feel like we're we're really intentional. We're really passionate uh, when we do find that thing that we can, um, you know, call our own, right? And I feel like that's why there's so much job hoppiness or people, you know, changing jobs early on in their careers if they can't get behind not only like the vision of a company and what they're doing on a day to day, but uh, more so like the leader of the organization um, and the culture and how, you know, they're perceived within the organization and the opportunities they have to grow personally and professionally within an organization. You know, I mean, that's why they leave. That's uh, if they're not challenged, if you're not motivated, um, if you're not, you know, welcome, it's not like, you know, we need our butts kissed on a daily basis, but we need to know that we're valued. We need to know that our impact is, is being made or, you know, just being valued within an organization. And so, um, you know, from a recruiting perspective, it's what I, you know, grew up doing. Um, that's what I would always say uh, when people were trying to hire young people is just make make them make their presence feel known, you know, make sure that their value is, uh, you know, appreciated um, because we're all just still trying to find our way at this point, no matter how old we are.
0: So I, two two quick stories and just because...
1: I'm going to kick I, my legs back for these. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I feel like the the current up and coming youngest generation that's in the professional world everyone that you know is in all your groups i sympathize a little bit because Matt and i are part of the millennial generation oh. and you know when we were coming out and we were in our 20s our generation got a bad rap too i mean we saw it mm-hmm. i'll never forget i walked into uh but some of it was we were naive too you know everybody coming yeah. right out of school is naturally inherently wants to believe that you know there's a whole thing called the dunning-kruger effect and the dunning-kruger effect are Uh, two psychologists have basically realized that people that learn just one piece of information about a subject matter have the most confidence (laughs) in the world and they are the utmost experts that anyone's ever seen so much so that they could challenge a PhD in the matter and then the more you learn, the more you realize you know nothing and Mm -hmm. your next pieces of information, you feel like you're the least confident person and then you'll never be able to return to the moment of confidence that you were at the very beginning, even with a PhD because you realize how complex things are. But with that said, coming out of school, I felt like I was confident. I'll never forget, I went into one of a managing director's office at the private equity firm that I started at, and I asked him a really well-put-together question about some structured debt product, and he just looked at me and he goes, what did Google say? And I took it so personally that, A, I was so dumb and naive that I didn't look at Google, but it was one of those good lessons that I was like, you're right, Like I should be more resourceful in the things that I do, and it was a terrible off-putting way to talk to a young person. But Mm. I took it a little bit as like a humbling moment. Right. No different than when I was starting our company and I got our very first bank loan. And the bankers all said to me at the closing day when we were signing, they go, you know, you're not like all the millennials that we know. And I was so offended by that because I said, we're not a bad generation. Yeah. We just are young and we just haven't figured it out yet. And we just need you to help bring us along. Mm -hmm. And what it really taught me is every generation is like that when they're the youngest ones out. And it's almost like a fraternity where it's an initiation period and you have to learn the way the world works and who you are and where you fit in and how you're going to become just a cog in the wheel of the global economy or your local economy, whatever Mm. you want to really look at. But I guess the, the bigger question here is the thing that's a lot different about your guys' generation than our generation is people aren't sticking it out. Mm -hmm. And there is that awkward, I'm leaving my job after three months, I'm going to the next one and I'm just hopping around left and right. Do you think that's a factor of the pandemic? Do you think that that's a factor of the technology that we have available and at our fingertips and makes it so easy of mobility? What do you really feel that is the the cause that people aren't saying, you're right, like this is a person who knows what they're doing. I want to sit here. I want to stay here. I want to learn from that. Or is it just a, no, the youngest generation is always just gonna have this nature of hopping around and yeah. wanna? Yeah,
2: and Emerson, before you answer that, I just wanna note that Andy just broke my record for longest question. <laughs> and that's just, that's important because. This is a special
1: moment for me. There you go. Yeah. Please continue. I like
0: I like holding records. (laughs) Um,
1: Well, what I would say about that is it's not it's not all millennials or not young millennials, Gen Z, whatever you want to call our generation. We're we're in the middle of that. Let's see, we're still more lost. but I wouldn't say, like, all, all people my age are like that. Like, I've been with chief of staff for five years. Um, I, I know plenty of people that have been with their jobs since they graduated college, right? And so I, I, I do see the generalization um, and where that comes from. Again, with the recruiting job, I, I help young professionals get jobs on a yearly basis, uh, it, it seemed like. But, again, it's just they're you get sold a bill of goods when you're young and naive, and you you think a job is like oh like I worked at a company called Insight Global, and they had a <laughs> they had this whole thing where they. Um you know, they sold you on a pipe dream of getting promoted and running your own book of business, but then they treated you like absolute crap um, for like the first 10 months to the point where they worked me from, you know, 530 in the morning to 8pm at night, every day, I became depressed and stressed out and anxious. And I had to leave, like, I just, I couldn't do it anymore. And um, but to me, it was it was because I would have been fine with the hours, but I just couldn't buy into the the corporate um, aspect of that. And I, I, they just didn't do a good job of kind of you know, appreciating the amount of work and you know stress that was in my life, <laughs> trying to do everything for them, and so that I think that's where it comes down to is just um, young professionals are searching for um, you know something bigger than themselves that they can buy into, and they know that they're a small piece in that. But again, they have to understand like where their career is going, how they can progress within that role um, as a person and professional. It's just they they want something bigger. So um, let's yeah. bring it
2: back to the loop, right? Yeah. This thing that you like. Entrepreneurs, right? You you kind of start some things oftentimes because you know that there's a hole that needs to be filled, mm-hmm. and there's an idea, and you're like, I don't necessarily know how this yeah. is going to do it, but I know that I need to affect change on this thing. Mm-hmm. So now that you've been doing this for a couple of years. Um, like, what are what are, are their goals for growth? Oh yeah, um, is there goals for monetization? Like, how does this thing transition from a networking idea yeah. to? is it going to be a company
1: is it going to be like what's the growth so pattern look like um yeah me and uh chris stibbs who's uh works at new house he's one of the leaders on uh the, uh the loop with me um we're talking about doing a 501 501cb i think um as a as a group and uh trying to actually create more of like a company around it uh but We've actually grown significantly, and I haven't really told many people about this, but um, you know, other than just kind of shouting them out on our LinkedIn. But we're in Des Moines, Scottsdale. Um, we're opening up Omaha and Denver this year, and then potentially like the Gulf Coast. And then I'm, you know, I'm trying to take it nationwide. Um, I have an idea for you guys that I wanted to, to run by you because I want your help with this. Um, and next year or the year after, I want to have an event in Kansas City that's like a young leaders summit where I bring all the Loop you know, members from all across the country to Kansas City to show off how freaking cool our city is, because it needs that, right? Denver, Austin, Nashville, they all are attracting so many young professionals because you know, they have good tourism cities or they have good music scenes or whatever it is, uh, they have, but they have tech jobs, right? They have the jobs. Um, I am of the firm belief that Kansas City is the next in line. Once we get our airport, once we get the downtown baseball stadium, like we're going to be able to attract some serious talent here. Um, but I want to put Kansas City on in the in the eyes of young professionals. I want to use the Loop as a you know um, as a driver for uh, Kansas City and, and how we grow as a city. Um, and I want to I want to create this event called Loopalooza. Uh, and I want it. I want it to be a hybrid business and music festival, where people come in. We get a block of rooms at the Lowe's or whatever. Um, we have a networking event, happy hour, welcome party. Uh, we get you know a discount for drinks at Sinker's Lounge, or we have a welcome party at um, the Rieger, and um, we no, bring no, everyone no together. No discounts at <laughs> my style. Only discounts at uh, But then like uh, Saturday, you wake up and uh, you have a brunch with a panel of speakers, you know, of uh, sponsors in town, but then you get on a uh, school bus and you go to the Coffin Foundation or wherever, whoever wants to sponsor it, right? You show off the actual you know, city itself. Uh, but then you come back, you have another, you know, workshops or whatever. But then you have, like, a lineup of local artists that play, you know, a little mini music festival that night. So it's a combination of the social and professional. So theater. you're asking me to be one of the music, musical artists? Of is course. That, so is yeah, that you need to get up there and here. see Definitely not Banner asking Banner for me. us. Yep. Yeah. That's <laughs> great.
2: Well, I just want to say,
0: you you just remind me so much of myself. Yeah, that's what Charlie introduced us. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just yeah. bizarre hearing the things that you're saying, because I'll never forget sitting there telling, I uh, remember it was a uh, guest on the podcast, Darcy Howe. I said to her one time at a happy hour, I go, we just need a big financial firm here. We just yeah. need like a Goldman Sachs to open an office or a JP Morgan who do structured debt products or private equity investing or something just bizarre like that that just brings our talent here and brings a big name to yeah. Kansas City and it's no different than exactly what you're saying. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: Emerson. We uh, one. I think we've Andy and I have both been on your podcast. I'm Mm -hmm. fairly certain, uh, which is fun. So extended conversations can and should happen, and and it's so fun to see what you're doing in Kansas City. But this is a podcast called Let Me Be Brief, of course, and so um, we have to be somewhat brief with this. Uh, (laughs) You know, I'm excited to hear more with this idea because one of the things that Andy and I have kind of learned in our entrepreneurial journey being not that much older than you is is the importance of rallying the right people around you yep. right be that other kansas city entrepreneurs be that the right banks right sponsored here by Emprise bank so we can make some introductions mm-hmm. um but just getting getting the big ideas in front of the right people who support that and right. i think one of the reasons that we love sitting across this table from you is we see that in you and and we're excited to partner with you in in whatever that looks like to make our city better because yeah we all believe that this is the best city in America. And yeah, you're drinking really the right sushi. whiskey this morning there while we're go. filming this, so we appreciate <laughs> that, too. Um, but to, to go away from business, I'm just curious, uh, it's, I, and every podcast with this question, what is the coolest thing that you have ever done? And it can't be oh, wow. like... This oh, is okay, not a business you. question. Yeah, and being it. that you're single, you can't yeah. talk about your
0: kids. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. True. You can't talk about your you guys,
1: wife. Yeah. I a lot of people hated this, but I had the the most fun time ever. I went to the Fire Festival. I was I was on the island in the Fire Festival. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. At the time, I was selling music festival tickets for my job, um, like all across the country. And I was like, "Okay, this is the next Coachella, right? This is going to be the coolest thing in the world." Like you have Emily Ratajkowski and Ken, Kendall Jenner talking about it on Instagram. I'm like, I gotta go. So me and like eight of my friends from Vanderbilt, we spent like all the money we had at the time. Like everyone was all complaining. It's a bunch of rich kids. Like, and I I, I spent like the last dime I had on this ticket. And, uh, so we get out there and I actually knew Billy McFarland. Um, so I was working with Billy McFarland to try to develop a, like a collegiate um collegiate network for his fire media app so he was like yeah come down to the festival we can talk and you know he was going to offer me a job and stuff but then yeah um We're selfing so it was
2: jaw has dropped yeah
1: so it was uh i mean everyone like complains about it but i had the most fun in the world i knew we were screwed from the very beginning we were on the first <laughs> flight that got down there me and my buddy like they they drove us to a sandals resort and they told us it's supposed to be pablo escobar's private island so we we knew uh something was up but then we stole a golf cart. <laughs> And uh, we drove to the top of this hill and we saw all these bulldozers taking down the entire festival and we're like, oh, no, what the hell is going to happen? And so they shuttle us to the other side of the island. All we had to drink all day was tequila and rose, no water, nothing. They didn't have our we didn't have our bags with us. So like uh, we all got hammered on the beach that day. And then they drove us back to the festival and we were like, go find somewhere to sleep. And then we bought a plane ticket because they had Wi-Fi on the island. So stupid, but uh, got a plane ticket and got out of there the next oh morning. God. But had a ton of fun throughout <laughs> the whole day, just meeting people and trying to make lemonade out of lemons. So. Our, our next podcast will just be going into that story. <laughs> <laughs> I try to be brief with it, but yeah, there's a lot more you know, that goes into it. That's but, awesome, you know.
2: Emerson. On behalf of Emprise Bank, Jay Rieger and Co Distillery, Swell Spark, Let It Fly Media, uh, we're so grateful that you spent time with us here today. Thanks for having um, me, guys. It's really, been awesome. really encouraged by what you're doing in the city and and the ways that you're going to make uh, this city continue to be the best place to be again the professor. better, right. sir.